Hi, this is Mike Spivey with the Spivey Consulting Group, and I wanted, it's a it's early Saturday morning, there's about to be an LSAT administration in Asia, and this is rather unscripted, but I did, I spoke to an applicant who was about to take the LSAT, who felt a tremendous amount of pressure, so much so that they were kind of shutting down. The stress was so much they were shutting down and they, and they were going to withdraw. And I've seen this, of course, because I've, I've done this my entire adult career. I've seen this happen so many times, it's unfairly so many times. I wanted to talk about the prominence of the LSAT, and particularly for those who are about to take it. Because the, the LSAT, of course, matters. If you, if you look at the data, obviously, it, it matters for the medians of the schools that people go to. And then those schools correlate with job outcomes. And this, uh, to be honest, this podcast, if you want to be a judge uh, or work in academia, then this podcast actually is not going to... I would have to do a separate podcast that, said, that says if you want to work in academia and be a faculty member, you need to score as high as you, as you have to, right? This podcast actually, it, it, based on my, my entire career experience, the optimistic part of this podcast is you don't need to score as high as you think you have to. Let me explain what I mean by that. You are an individual data point. You're not in the mass t- statistics. And in my career, I've seen 50, 60,000 law students graduate, gotten known a, you know, a, a, a number, a good number, hundreds upon hundreds who are now way down in their careers, who are exactly where they wanted to be career-wise, despite having scored poorly on the LSAT once or multiple times. I can give you some examples. One of my two mentors is the chair of the Mergers and Acquisitions Group, the M&A Group, at one of the top five global law firms in the world. He did not score well on the LSAT. You know, it's great because he can wear it as a as a badge of honor now. Because I mean, you don't. He he's one of the more prominent lawyers in the world as far as M and A. So he can joke about having not scored well in the LSAT. Again, my point is long term, it had no bearing on him. Of course, it's it probably stung and slowed him down slightly. There was an applicant we admitted to Vanderbilt with a one fifty two who now is the CEO of a venture capital firm and valued, I believe, in the hundreds of millions of dollars, 152 LSAT. And the thing I, I do like, I want to mention about this guy, Justin, a friend of mine, is that he, never, he only took it once. He wasn't apologetic about it. He said he just wasn't a good standardized test taker and made no apologies, but was a very hard worker. Of course, I want you to do as well as possible on the LSAT. Part and parcel of this podcast is the calmer you are on test day, the more likely you are to perform better. That's that's science. That's biology. We have a blog on that in your apocrine system. But part of being calm is realizing that you're not taking the LSAT for the sake of the LSAT, right? 99.8% of you would not take it for fun. And believe it or not, and this is going to sound very strange at face value, you're not taking the LSAT to get into the best law school you can go to. Because you're not, taking, you're not going to, to law school 
for the sake of going to law school. 95% of you aren't. You're going to law school because you have a dominant aspiration. I use those two words coupled together intentionally. You have a dominant career aspiration. And that dominant career aspiration might be sped up a little bit or more than a little bit in, in, in some fields if you score as high as possibly on the LSAT. But regardless of whether the starting point is, is uh, on, a, on a lap of the track, if you get to start 10 yards closer to the finish point or 20 yards closer, the finish point from my many years doing this, if you work hard, if you do well at so many schools, I went from Vanderbilt, the 16th ranked school, to Wash U, the 19th ranked school, to Colorado, the 47th ranked school in my career. And academia is very elitist. Academics care very much about rankings. I had a job offer at Chicago, a top five law school that I turned down. At some point, I saw the, the larger picture of how my career needed to turn out and the opportunities. But the, getting to the point, the students at Colorado who did well, who did very well, who applied themselves, had wonderful opportunities, exceptionally similar than the students at Vanderbilt. When I was at Vanderbilt, we had a student who I'm sure Vanderbilt was her backup, but she went and she uh, clerked for a Supreme Court justice. No different than if she had gone to Harvard. When I was at Vanderbilt, my, uh, I, I got a new boss early in my career who came from Harvard, who said the students at Vanderbilt who do well have no different opportunities than the students at Harvard. For some of you, you're going to say, well, Spivey, you're wrong when you look at the macro data, and you're right in saying that. My point is this. As an individual, do as well as you can on the LSAT, but keep in the back of your mind when you walk into that test center confidently that no matter how, how you score, if you have a, a serendipitous day and knock it out of the park, or if you have a bad day and don't do well, there are so many long-term options that render that particular test that you're about to take as almost irrelevant. You can retake. You can transfer. You can do well at the school you're at and get a good job. You can network. You can be an upbeat, positive networker or professional in the job search process. All of these things down the road are so much more important than the test. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. As part of my career, I was not only uh, did I uh, do admissions, I did career services and I met with hiring partners. They are so far off if you ask them. They don't, they don't have a clue what a school's median LSAT is. They never ask you what your LSAT score was. And they, if you ask them what Harvard median LSAT is, they say something like 167. So the, the test starts becoming more and more irrelevant. It doesn't correlate that well on its own with first-year job performance, and I've yet to see any correlation with long-term career outcomes relative to law school GPA and law school performance. Bill Henderson, a faculty member at Indiana Law School, actually did a study where the, a, a strong LSAT score correlates negatively with networking ability. Right? So I'm not here to tell you to not do well on the LSAT. My point is there are so many variables that, that get you to where you want to get that when you walk into the test center, just please keep in the back of the mind, this is just all opportunity. I can do well. 
great. And I want you to do well. I want you to go to your dream school. Obviously, this has been my entire career and my entire firm. I want you to go to your dream school. But if you don't, don't do well, the test doesn't have the significance that applicants place on it. It really doesn't. It is so hyped up by applicants for understandable reasons. But fortunately, I've been able to sort of step back and look at it longitudinally, and it doesn't have that much significance long, long term. So just let that, the point of this whole podcast is you're an individual, let that, to the extent possible, if, if you can get inside my mind, let my experience calm you down, I hope, and realize that this test is simply one day in the life. Do great, don't take it again. But don't feel the pressure that you have to do great. Because I promise you, I promise you, I know hundreds upon hundreds, and there are thousands upon thousands of applicants out there that scored below what they were practicing at, below what they wanted, felt beat up by the test, and five years down the road, two years down the road, if they transfer, 10 10 years down the road, they are laughing at that test because they are exactly where their dominant aspiration took them. I wish you all the best on the test. More importantly, because this is what matters, I wish you all the best in your careers. And I hope very much so that this podcast was somewhat helpful, particularly if you're about to take the test. I really want to help as many people as I can who are nervous before the test. This, again, this was Mike Spivey at the Spivey Consulting Group. I also have a motivational blog that might be helpful before or after the test, uh, www.spiveyblog.com. And I thank you for listening.